Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Outkick 360 is back on this Friday edition, day after round one of the NFL Draft. A lot to get to alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Glad you're with us as we react to picks one through 32. You can react with us at Outkick360 on Twitter. Hope you'll share the post on Facebook. And if you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll hit that alert button, the subscription link and retweet on Twitter. Guys, big show today. We're going to get to the Titans and the the draft pick of Caleb Farley. Congratulations, PK, nailing the Caleb Farley selection. Bang, bang, Paul. All I knew knew was that he was on the board, uh, so I reported that much. But I wasn't the only person to hit it, and we don't spend a lot of time on this show patting ourselves on the back. We get a lot of other stuff to get to. We have uh, uh, plenty, and we start with the top of this draft, Aaron Rodgers news. And a lot more. Uh, It it was a fun night last night in between picks. It started right as we went off the air with the Aaron Rodgers news, Tim Tebow. uh, Tim Tebow's news about trying out for a tight end position, that sounds like it happened a month ago with everything that's happened since. Let it damn go, Tim Tebow. It's been (laughs) nine years. Oh, what a terrible And I know everybody loves you, and you're not going to take appropriate flack for this. I'll give you appropriate flack. Let it go. These dreams die of athletes. And if you were a regular guy without the, the Heisman and the hype, you'd be laughed at for this. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> this is a funny dream. And if the Jaguars do this, it's an embarrassment. Go be in media or whatever. Be quiet. Jacksonville goes with Trevor Lawrence. Then we have Zach Wilson go to the New York Jets. And... Then the draft started last night. The San Francisco 49ers selecting Trey Lance from North Dakota State over Mac Jones and Justin Withrow Fields. and I were both off of Mac Jones. Unfortunately, we were both on to Fields instead of Lance. But uh, Mac Jones, you, you nailed that one, Chad. Just sat and, uh, and was there for the Patriots at 15. Seemingly a perfect fit. There really aren't, if you look at this first round, who's up in arms today? What fan base? Maybe the Raiders, uh, and I want to get into them more later. They, they continually overdraft guys based on how the league values those guys. Um, you know, I think Dallas was surprised that the two corners were gone. But I don't know that there's a fan base that woke up this morning really pissed off about what their team did. The Green Bay Packers. The Packers. Yeah, Packers again with that. With that. But he's a good player. Uh, at least last year they got a player they knew wasn't going to play or help them. They got a good player. They just continually refuse to, to, to draft a wide receiver for some reason. Well, um, they got a good player that was in almost everyone's second round of every mock draft that I saw also. They're waking and up upset because Aaron Rodgers. they got Aaron a quarterback Rogers who's upset. upset. 
and they didn't give him a wide receiver. Let's go right to Rodgers. I'll, I'll go first. I flipped last night on Aaron Rodgers. I've been with Aaron Rodgers throughout this whole thing. <clears throat> the guy's a spectacular player, a generational talent. But um, he's a bit of a baby, to be quite frank. And, uh, you know, he didn't react well to the pick of Jordan Love last year. Yeah, I agree. They should have gotten him a weapon instead of drafting a guy of the fu- uh, uh, for the future. They are very good, the Packers, business-wise, of having him on a year-to-year uh, basis, which is not the way a, a quarterback of his talent is generally treated or should be treated. But stop doing these things like saying, you know, my future is a beautiful mystery, and then backhandedly getting this stuff out that you're pissed. And, and letting us find out that all three top executives have come out to California to woo you. You've made it very clear you want the Jeopardy job. Well, make it very clear what you want from the Packers. And come out and say it. Stop with the backhanded, behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm not a Russell Wilson guy, but at least Russell Wilson came out and said what the hell he wanted, said what he was upset about. Aaron Rodgers is always manipulating in the back so he could still appear like a nice, lovable guy and, and all of that. And then when he's in front of the media, oh, I don't know, that was your interpretation, but I didn't really say that or that wasn't me talking. If you want out, say you want out. Otherwise, shut up and go back to work. I flipped last night on you as you're manipulating the media on the day of the draft and all of that. And we know where this is all coming from, ultimately. It's not without his blessing. I think it's pretty clear what he wants. He wants a time machine to go back to last year and not draft a quarterback in the first round. I think that that relationship was irreparably damaged at that point when there was no communication. And I'm with him. The Green Bay Packers should be talking to Aaron Rodgers about thinking about a quarterback. Yeah, they admitted, you know, we probably didn't handle that. I mean, the the Bengals are talking to Joe Burrow (laughs) in his second year. It's a three time MVP, a guy who got so pissed off and motivated. He went out and won the MVP this year after they drafted a quarterback in the first round. Beyond that, though. I, I'm totally with Aaron Rodgers on being upset that he wasn't told about last no, year and the pick that. itself last year. And I can understand him trying to wield some power by leaking this news the day of the draft to see what the response from Green Bay would be. Will they draft a position I want them to draft? I think we all guess now they didn't, that they didn't cave to the pressure from Aaron Rodgers on that. They, they drafted a corner in the first round. I find the whole story fascinating. I may be the only one rooting for Jeopardy in this scenario because <laughs> I just think it's an amazing end to a football career. And I would love to watch the 10-part the Aaron Rodgers story, 30 for 30. And I'd love to see the episode of him leaving the Packers to go be the host of Jeopardy, if in fact that is what ends up happening. I which think is the a, Packers which is have a $30 all million dollar annual salary to yeah. leave and go host Jeopardy. But he can do both. But the Packers have all the hand here. They're not caving on anything. It seems to me they've done a good job maintaining control here, Hutt. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers holds all the power because he can walk for Jeopardy for $30 million. Well, he's not going to He's not going to some TV gig. He's not he going to ESPN. Walk. He's he, not going to walk. He can absolutely but walk. But, Paul, why would he not? You say he wouldn't walk. What is it about Aaron Rodgers' personality and his varied interests that makes you think he wouldn't walk away from football? I just don't see it happening. Andrew Luck walked away from football much younger. He was beat up. He was beat up, but, I mean, he wasn't the age of Aaron Rodgers. They're both similarly interesting, interested guys mm-hmm. in a lot of things, I should say. Not necessarily interesting, but they could go and do a lot of different things. I could totally see a scenario right, so where So what throws him over the walks. top to walk? 
yesterday not drafting a receiver would not be being the last draw for me. No, according to the reports, this is not about just yesterday. They have been discussing this all offseason. Uh-huh. And the reports were leaked by him yesterday. So th- this is not just about draft day and move me. This is him telling them he's, he's wanted out for quite some time. And this is not all about Jordan Love either. It, I, I think that is the, that's the cap last year. But the last time they went and drafted help in the first round, 2012. Oh, it's ridiculous that they haven't given nine, him more So help. the last 10 drafts, nine defensive players and Jordan Love. But the grass is not always greener. They've also re-signed all of his people, his top receiver, his top running back, uh, I think the tight end. They gave him the second most bonus money in history, the second biggest contract in history. It's not like the Packers are doing nothing. The, the drafting has been bad, I agree. Packers are a pretty damn stable organization. They found it, they fired his coach who got stagnant, gave him a new, you know, cutting edge coach who who found a way pretty to stable sustain because his of him. Team. A cutting a cutting edge coach that screwed up the end of the NFC Championship game royally. Agree. That Aaron Rodgers is also pissed off about. And part of his complaint with the team now is probably Matt LaFleur. I am interested to hear Matt LaFleur Saturday. That's the first time he's going to talk to the media is after their draft on Saturday. Yeah, it's silly that he wasn't part of the conversation I, I, I want to hear what he has to say about this. And I'll ask you this, Paul. You say stable organization right now. What's their record with Jordan Love as quarterback? It ain't 13-3. and three. They're not in the playoffs without the MVP and Aaron Rodgers. He is that organization in many ways. Well, sure. That's the case with any team with a great quarterback. They liked Jordan Love so much last year, they kept him inactive. Now, I will go with this with you, Paul. It frightens me to see the level of control these quarterbacks are taking. It's very NBA-like. And what do we hate about the NBA? The star players can make anything happen. They can get a coach fired. They can get a GM fired. They can get themselves traded. They can get other players to come and join them. And that's not healthy for the sport. Great for the players, not healthy for the sport. Now what are we seeing? Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson before the other problems. Right. Now Aaron Rodgers basically saying, I'm done with this organization. Trade me. I can go somewhere else. Well, I don't think that's good anything. for the league. None of them forced anything. So we're at the point where they can try or start to speak out. But we're not at the point where any of them have yet managed NBA like to force anything, and I don't see what he could force at this point. It, he should have come out earlier because if he was really going to put on the pressure to trade, well, he didn't they would have. They would have traded. According to Trey Wingo, he didn't need to come out earlier because the Packers told him they were gonna that they were going to trade him. So why does he need to leak the information if he was told that? Well, yeah, they they, they well they played him. They said they were going to trade him, and they didn't. Which is why he leaked the info now. Right, but now what's he going to do? He's going well, to threaten to retire. Yeah, I, I, here's what I believe happened. I'm just going to put my investigative hat on, okay? They were going to trade him, talk to the 49ers, which they admitted talking to the 49ers. They didn't like what the 49ers were offering, so the 49ers decided to trade up to number three and get their quarterback there. Then they have not found a trade partner that's giving them enough right now. So now the focus has shifted away from trading because they're not getting everything they want from teams to let's make Aaron Rodgers happy and give him the extension. And Aaron Rodgers is sitting back thinking, no, 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 no. I'm not interested in that anymore. I don't want to restructure. I want out. Because you said you were going to try to trade me. That hasn't happened. You can't go back on that just because you're not getting what you want. Now, they can. That's their right as a team. But it's also Aaron Rodgers' right to leave for jeopardy. 
And <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers sounds so funny, this is crazy. Leave for Jeopardy but thing. I say you're it over, overplaying. He's never said he's leaving for Jeopardy. I mean, you guys can extrapolate that that might be what happens. But he Ian Rappaport along, reported that he both. is okay to leave for Jeopardy. He said that if he does not get what he wants for the Packers, he will retire and be the host of Jeopardy. Said that he impressed all the execs there to the point that he thinks he's got a shot at the full-time job. And Aaron Rodgers is totally happy retiring and going to Jeopardy. If that's the case, I don't buy. That it is a report for me. And, and first off, he has to beat all those other people in Jeopardy. He was good, but it doesn't mean Jeopardy wants him above all of the other people. True. I mean, and they still have other celebrity guest still hosts coming. coming up. But if Aaron Rodgers, again, I'm playing the Jeopardy card here. Story. If That'd Aaron Rodgers came story. to Jeopardy and said, "Not happy with the Packers." I'll be your host if you offer me the job. Yeah, that'd be a huge story. Huge story. <laughs> my, my big that point. That is a hell of a get for Jeopardy, too, right? Like, this is the biggest sports story yeah. around, and it, you, it dominated the you have successfully recruited the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, the NFL MVP, to be your host. That's a big news story. That's, uh, with all due respect to LeVar Burton and Reading Rainbow, <laughs> who I'm sure is terrific as host, it's pretty big time. If Jeopardy were able to do that, and if Aaron Rodgers actually made that decision, but Paul, to what you're saying, he has to be willing to do that. I also this can't st- just be a big bluff on his part. He's got to be willing to walk. I also stick with my broad point. It, you know, say it. Uh, yeah. It's behind the behind the scenes manipulation and these soft hints. Uh, my beautiful mystery and my future and all of that BS. It's time to to step forward and really articulate something and say it, and don't have your people doing all this dirty work behind the scenes. Don't you think he could serve himself and the whole situation now by looking into a camera like this and saying something? Well, what's interesting, too, is so the 40, John Lynch said last night in the presser that the quote was, yeah, we inquired about Aaron Rodgers, and it was a quick end to the conversation. It wasn't happening. Asked if they called Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers. Last night... Um, in Green GM Bay's denied. recap, they were saying that they did receive one call yesterday, but it was not from San Francisco. So Somebody's lying. Well, or, or uh, Lynch is saying that they called way before the draft, and whenever Green Bay had, according to Wingo's report, d- decided so that they were going to actively trade him. So the report I read was the one call, Hutton, and correct me if I'm wrong, happened sometime after 5 p.m. when the news broke said we, it wasn't like we got flooded with calls when the news came out, but we did get one call after that news story broke that Aaron Rodgers wanted out, and that was after 5 p.m. leading up to the draft. That's yeah. That's the, the report. Yeah. Right. So the, the report of a I'd call. I'd love to know that team. The report I'd of a call prompted team. a call, but right. they're saying there was no call that well, the prompted Packers the report. Said, the Packers quickly put out a statement saying they weren't trading him. Uh, late yesterday. So th- th- this continues. Atlanta goes with Kyle Pitts. No surprise there um, where they now have Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst at tight end. We know what Arthur Smith has done here in Nashville with two tight end sets and how he likes to deploy that and how they can use Kyle Pitts as more than just a tight end at the position. The question is how can they run it, right? How well are they going to be able to run, to run it? We know they're going to be able to throw it. And still a lot of time left, but this is not a good draft uh, for running backs because we saw two of them go uh, in, in the first round uh, because of the position scarcity. And then Cincinnati goes with Jamar Chase, who, who we said all week was going to be the pick because of the familiarity with Joe Burrow. 
we said we would have started up front on the offensive line. They pass on Panay Sewell. They go with Jamar Chase and pair him with the former college quarterback in Joe Burrow, uh, much like Miami just did. Jalen Waddell and Tua Tagovailoa paired together in Miami on the exact next uh, pick. So those two, uh, five and six there, we talked about it in advance, but I, I want to expand on it a little bit now. Josh Weinfuss. Uh, who covers the Cardinals in Arizona for ESPN, a a friend of mine from back in those days, points out, and I I think he's on to something here. You know, you wonder if this is the start of a trend, you know, because the NFL's really moved in the direction of accommodating the quarterback, right? What what have we seen happen? The NFL's moved the direction of the college game to facilitate these guys. The NFL's moved the direction of, of having offenses that move towards the the college quarterback's offense. Instead of saying, you've got to come in and fit what we do, and that's going to take a while, they've said, we're going to shape things that help you succeed faster. And now here's another step for at least two of these teams where we're also going to give you a receiver you're already familiar with and have a, a great feel for, which, you know, is going to work. I mean, you have any doubt that Joe Burrow is, has a big head start with Jamar Chase? or that Tua has a great feel for Waddle from their time together, and particularly if this works, and I have no doubt that those are going to be good connections. Next year, if you have the opportunity for your quarterback, who's Alabama's best receiver? And would, would New England be inclined to get that guy now for Mac Jones? And are we going to see more of those connections? And is it another step in the trend of making things as easy as possible for the college quarterback that you're bringing in to be as successful as possible as soon as possible? So just looking at next year's draft, top receiving options, 2022 NFL draft, Justin Ross from Clemson, possible pairing with Trevor Lawrence. And they just gave him his running back also. Uh, Two different guys from Ohio State. Maybe Justin Fields in Chicago for one of those guys. John Mechie from Alabama, who just received caught passes from Mac Jones. I mean, it, it does lend itself. The more and more we have these, and this is one of the reasons that college football super playoff teams. is expanding, but the reason we have these you know, four super teams basically in college football right now, when you look at Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, well, now you've got Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, these quarterbacks, Oklahoma in the NFL that have played with these guys, you could see more of these parents because all the top receivers are also going to the, these schools. And I'll say it again, Alabama is never going to let down if ESPN and everyone continues to have Nick Saban on the biggest television night of the year for your league as the one coach you bring on to talk about all. He's a proud papa, he said, with all of his guys going in the first round. I get it. I know why ESPN does it. Nick Saban's terrific on television in those settings when they bring him on, but it's just remarkable to me that Alabama has become the NFL light, right? I mean, when you see their first-round picks. And the receivers in in particular. He's the the best analyst you could have on, though. Five of the first 17 picks were from Alabama. Again, from a a television decision-making standpoint, I totally get it. It makes a ton of sense to have Nick Saban on. And Nick Saban's going to say yes. Why? Because that's only going to lead to him getting every single player he wants in high school football to come to Alabama. Because, And I saw the stat, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but there was a breakdown of first-round picks from Alabama in every decade. The 70s was like 23. The 80s was 25. 90s, 18. 2010 is like 71 
from 2010 to 2020. It's a 20-player jump in this decade with Saban. It is remarkable, and it's never going to stop. To with, a much smaller degree, Jalen Hurts has familiarity with Devontae Smith. I mean, they, he completed 16 sure. passes yeah, to him, good but point. they were together. We should also mention that Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle are the two best receivers right. in this draft. Uh, Chase was on a team with Justin Jefferson and was the nation's top receiver. Right, but it's uh, no surprise, like Chad's saying, because you're talking about the four, three, four super teams in college football. So the best quarterbacks and the best receivers are going to be together. Jalen Waddle was described by Steve, Steve Sarkeesian as saying he was the best just speed route runner, turn on a dime, would compare his running style, the only player he would compare a running style with, to Reggie Bush. And this dude's playing wide receiver. Yeah. He's, and he coached both. So it, the, he goes, I, I mean this in, in the highest regard. He's the best runner since Reggie Bush. That's and a, now he's in Miami. High, high confidence. So aside from just quarterback familiarity, they got some great players to pair with those two quarterbacks. And I Absolutely. mentioned that it's a, it's a very Bengals decision to go with two guys who opted out of this last year. But when they turn on that highlight film of Joe Burrow, just throwing it up for grabs at Jamar Chase. And then you think about oh. that in Cincinnati. I mean, it's, it's also easy to see why Cincinnati made that pick and to understand why, because they were electric on that LSU team of two years ago. Panay Sewell, I, I, thought maybe it, I thought the most genuine reaction from a draft room last night was in Detroit when Panay Sewell was available. How quickly they turned in the card and the reaction on camera as Goodell was walking to the podium where you had their new regime dancing in the draft room with Brad Holmes and uh, Dan Campbell going crazy over Panay Sewell being available for them at, at number seven. Uh, to a total rebuild team, right? So a left tackle is a big deal. And they're going to start him at right. <clears throat> yeah, and I also read a good deal about him being a culture-building kind of guy. Um, and that, that's what you want, you know, an offensive lineman who's going to be a cultural tone setter. Uh, and, and not flash. Look, there's always a temptation with these teams. Detroit needs to sell tickets and win back its fan base. You don't generally do that with the tackle how many at years number they, seven. They've been trying to do that for yeah, how many years? Forever. So right. the temptation becomes even bigger when you can draft the Heisman Trophy winner who's going to yeah. touch the ball a bunch. But they stayed disciplined, and they did what's better for the long-term health of the organization. Well, beyond so that, though, by them. draft a quarterback. You know, that we, were, right. we went to that yesterday. They were in position to have their pick of the quarterbacks that went. Uh, and we're, we'll get to Chicago in a moment who trade up for theirs. But Detroit was in that position and chose to go with the offensive line. Uh, and, and I mentioned they're going to start him at right tackle. They have Taylor Decker, their Who's starting left tackle, who has played uh, nearly 40, uh, 40, over 4,400 career snaps. And all but four snaps have been at left tackle. So he's their left tackle that's entrenched there. And I believe he was drafted the same year as Taylor Lewan yes. in that draft. So he's, he's on his second big contract there. And now they have a young player that they can groom and eventually move to that side. It's a good pick. It's a solid pick. I, I thought it was going to be Justin Fields. You mentioned that yesterday, Hutton, that possibility of Fields there for Detroit. But I was expecting them to go Fields and – 
They went Sewell. I think, uh, I mean, we're skipping ahead to 11. Ahead. And Chicago getting uh, rave reviews for coming up and getting him. And I think it's a good move for Chicago, and you have to swing. A team, a, like, a team like Chicago has to swing yes. until it finds its guy. But Fields, to me, last night goes from the most underrated player in the thing to the most overrated player in the thing. Like, there was not enough hype, and then all of a sudden Chicago moves up and gets him, and they're like, they found the solution. They finally have the quarterback that's going to fix everything. I mean, he's no sure thing. It's a good swing, and it's good that they well, did it. But here's you know, my he, biggest thing. He's no the lock. Coverage. He's the fourth quarterback. Everybody loves every pick on these broadcasts. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm it, glad we're getting into the broadcast. But let's, let, let's use Justin Fields as an example of how we, we can go from discussing – the situation in San Francisco where Trey Lance is behind Jimmy Garoppolo, and it makes sense that Garoppolo can start the season. He's okay? won there before. If he's healthy, he's Chicago he's okay. to a Super Bowl. And, and there's coach and general manager stability there. So, it, right. But the automatic assumption, I mean, it was, it was immediate that Justin Fields is going to sit behind Andy Dalton is laughable to me. Stupid. With Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, with their jobs on the line, that they're going to just sit around and let Justin Fields sit behind Andy Dalton for a while. That's, by week three, this dude will be starting. But you choose as a, you know, you talked last week, or you talked this week, about all the things that we're going to hear people say about yeah. the first round, their second round, yes. their third round. This is also the mandatory thing when you draft a quarterback. You pick which path. One of the paths is, you know, we're bringing this guy in. He's going to change our franchise as soon as he's ready. We're going. Or the, hey, we're sticking with our guy, um, you know, and we're going to take our time with this guy, and you really make an overly hard commitment to the incumbent. Uh, and you pick one of those paths, and philosophically you just stick with that. Even, and we know both of them are a little bit but, blowing smoke. And so in Chicago they decide, hey, we're going to stick with Dalton in, in, the, in the, what we're saying kind of way to ease the pressure on fields, to pay Dalton a little respect out of what we signed him for, even though everybody knows that as soon as Dalton struggled, Slightest Fields is going to be in this there. This is not Ryan Fitzpatrick and right. Tua. But again, this is just one of those things everybody says, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick it's not was winning. If, if Andy Dalton starts out 4-0 and in Chicago, all is well. Right. But, you know, you limp out to a 1-3 and three start or a 1-2 and two start got and throw to change. three picks. We're going to – I mean, the, the idea that he's going to be able to sit around and, and the same way Jordan Love just sat around in Green Bay is no. – that's just not – their head coach and GM won't be there. Also, you know, they're very willing – this is the interesting thing. Ryan Pace is super willing to give away next year's number one to trade for Justin Fields because <laughs> – that could be somebody else yes. that doesn't have the one. Or if Justin Fields is promising, he might have just bought himself two more years. And Nagy. Because they can say, well, look, we drafted Justin Fields. He just had a promising rookie year. We're the guys to, to build a team around him. We're the guys to move forward with this guy. So Ryan Pace just went from being in big trouble to maybe being in an advantageous position or at least to screwing the guy that follows him who doesn't have a first-round pick when he takes over. Hutton, you brought up a great point about how the analysts love everyone in the everyone. draft. Oh, everybody. And Booger McFarlane, an observation you <laughs> oh. made about yeah, tell the number this. three this overall pick and then the number 15 overall pick. So Trey Lance is drafted, and, and he says, you know, you've got to have quarterbacks who that can move. You know, and, and he – 
you know, I'm, I'm listening to him because I'm, I'm, I'm getting his opinion on why San Francisco and why Shanahan went with Trey Lance over Mac Jones. Like, that's the, that's the decision that's be, or if they would have gone fields over Mac Jones. Mac Jones goes to the Patriots. And Booger McFarlane gets on there and says, you know what? It, th- this league is all about decision-making and accuracy. It's like th- just shaping the narrative to fit any player that goes to any slot. Um, I, I don't understand why you can't have uh, uh, some disagreements with, with what teams are doing. That, I mean, there was some slight, there was some slight hesitation to praise what Vegas did. <laughs> the only, but they're also ripping their yeah. buddy Mike Mayock if they no. do it. Yeah, the they, only, didn't, they didn't go over the top and celebrate right. the Vegas pick like they did everything no. else. You guys watched the ESPN broadcast yeah. for the most part. I yeah. watched ABC, which was the Kirk Herbstreet uh, college game day type set with that. Um, I, I expected it to be a big uh, parade for every college kid getting drafted on that broadcast, which it was. I liken it to a kid that uh, picks up the hat and commits to a college. You don't want to bash the kid on his big day with his big decision. That's what it felt like was a very collegiate broadcast where they're not being critical of anyone on ABC. So that didn't surprise me. What, I'm hearing more of the same on ESPN with that. Or was it more critical? Well, the only thing they did, I mean, it's very formulaic what they do at ESPN, right? Right, Hunt, I'll pick up on, on what you said. They, they praise every pick, and they set up the only complaint to be Kuiper because something goes against his board. And his yeah. board is the lord of the whole thing. So they can complain about Leatherwood because Kuiper has Leatherwood rated in the 60s or whatever. And when he goes 18, then it's, oh, my God, you know, Kuiper's shuffling his papers because he has to go six pages deep to get to Leatherwood. And so the only complaint is when things don't go according to Kuiper, which inherently is silly because it's just one man's board. (laughs) So... So, and I think the league can accept that. Okay, you're going you're gonna to hit us because we don't match up with your one There's, semi-random guys list. They're, they're, it's a very difficult broadcast. They make it look very easy. Like, they're very, very good, both networks. Yes. Um, so uh, Greenberg was excellent. I, yeah, I, was, I thought awesome. I was going to miss Wingo, who's also excellent. Greenberg may be better. Greenberg's awesome. Um, but the analysts are really good, you know, just the recall and just really? diving into a pick. But for a league that is all about fit, for a player fitting a system, I don't understand why we don't have more honest assessment of the player fitting the system. Every every player is a fit for that coach. Oh, this this general manager locked in on this player because this is going to fit this, this, this. I, I, I don't think we have enough of that because they're immediately trying to pigeonhole the player into the spot he's drafted, and here's why it's going to work. Well, Riddick might have a sense of that. I don't think Booger knows the league uh, that well. Maybe on, on the line. I don't. I mean, he, but he's, not, he was on Monday Night Football. Yeah, he sees them on a weekly yeah. basis. I mean, it, he he I should hope know he knows the league better I, than that. Absolutely. No, but you know what I'm saying? People who cover all 32 oftentimes don't have the scope of that. You're covering all 32, and then you're covering 300 players for this. It's a big task to, uh, and he's not not studying the college guys year round. That's why Kuiper, whether you like him or not, can tell you a little bit more about that. Like a Kuiper Riddick well, pairing. Then don't ask him to do that. The, you know, I, I agree. I mean, if you're going to have a bench that's 50 deep of analysts, ask the analysts to do their strength. You know, they go to David Pollock and Carson Palmer on there, and David Pollock is talking about the guy in college. He's not going into fit 
with the NFL team. He's talking about seeing them play in college, and they're talking more of the college angle because he is a college analyst on college game day. Don't ask Booger McFarland to do everything if he can't do everything. I also like Susie Kalber a great deal, but I think it's just uh, uh, she's not miscast. It's just a terrible job to interview a prospect right after he comes on stage. What do you ask? What were your emotions while you were waiting in there? Well, you know, I was really excited. I'm just thrilled to be in Mac Jones. You know, well, it seemed like a long way. But you do want to hear their voices. I want to hear how they speak, how they present themselves. Like, I get it's hard to ask great questions in that moment and get great responses, but I do want to get a sense for the player. I do too, but I think we need to really tear down that whole process and rebuild it. ESPN needs to, or NFL Network, if they reinvented that in some way, shape, or form, and I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer. But you got to be able to come up with something that's more than, like, how do you feel? Because the how do you feel, all, all you're getting, and I agree with you, you hear the guy and you see what he's like in the moment. But can't we get better than that right there, Hut? I don't know, I don't know what it is. But it's something more than we've got. And, and we're all just accepting of it. And it's, it's very... It's so rapid fire, though. I think part of the problem is they, well, I mean, it's long and drawn out. But the, they want to get to the next team and the drama oh. of the next selection. They the, go very The drama fast, is too. over. Yes. Uh, whenever, this, whenever Goodell reads off so the name. So let's get to the next drama. You're right. You have the highlights. Then you have the interview. And then quickly, they want that, they want that done. And they're getting that guy on to other behind-the-scenes That, the that player stuff. is now a name at Old the bottom news. of a screen on a scrolling marquee. And it's off to the next hype-filled moment on what the Carolina Panthers are going to do. You're because, right. Because Detroit just selected. You're it's right. not about what Detroit just did. You're right. But if you're giving him two minutes, I want, I want somehow something more than just the pitch of his voice and the look of his eyes. Or you could give me that by having him do a read or something. You know, I, I just, it's not the best used two minutes of, of that time. Uh, Lance and Jacob are, are hoping that we go to break. We're not going to break yet. Um, Carolina and Denver, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan go back to back. Screw job for um, Dallas. South Carolina, Alabama, back to back at corner. Yeah, and, and so everyone had Dallas taking Sertan. J.C. Horn goes to Carolina at 8. Denver's at 9. They pass on Justin Fields. They take Patrick Sertan. Dallas then trades back. And I, I think that this is a great example, even though it's within the division, uh, the trade with, with Philly. I think this is a great example of a pre-draft phone call where you set up a trade for a scenario. And I think Dallas had a scenario in mind where if Sertan was not available, Philly, we're gonna, if you want to make the move to jump ahead of New York to get your receiver, we're going to take the deal for a third-round pick. We'll swap first-rounders. We'll take the third. That deal's in place if Sertan's not on the board. And Dallas moves back to 12. Philly hops New York, which in turn New York trades out to Chicago. Whenever Philly jumped ahead and drafted uh, their their guy Devonte Smith, let's look at those three teams. And real quick, Devonte Smith goes one pick ahead of New York. New York trades down and ends up with Kadarius Tony. Yeah. So they I, were going. They, they, they would have taken Devonte Smith. They end up with Tony, and the Bears end up with the quarterback. Well, let's look at those three picks. Gettleman, no history of trading back ever. Said all the trade back offers he's had in his life in Carolina and New York were fleeced. 
He fleeced the Bears here if, if somebody got fleeced. Great deal for the Giants, I think, to get it next year's number one. And a fourth. A fourth this year, plus they dropped back nine spots. Maybe a fifth also. Um, anyway, it was a very good deal. I think it's a bad pick for the Giants. I like Tony. I don't like Tony in the Giants' offense. Jason Garrett is not the kind of guy as an offensive coordinator who's going to do, uh, to me, what Kadarius Tony needs to be done with. So yeah. Jason Garrett's got to open things up and reinvent his offense a little bit to use this guy properly, or this is not a great pick. Philadelphia ends up with what it wanted. The, the Giants with that move are saying we're not afraid to, to go against Devontae Smith twice a year, uh, even though we didn't get the corner that we would have covered him with in our ideal scenario. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, Lewis Riddick on SVP last night was asked about this in-division trade. Mm. And he said, I think the younger GMs, not that Jerry Jones qualifies as one of these, but the direction the league's going is more, I'm going to keep my house in order and worry about myself, and I'm not thinking about what my rival's doing. I'm not worrying about who my rival's picking you know, which I kind of like, but I like it on the front side. But on the back side, what happens, right? If, if that team gets uh, Devontae Smith and he's a problem for you, then what do you have to do? Well, you, you sit in your draft room saying, we've got to figure out a way to stop Devontae Smith, but I and think then Dallas, you have to make a counter move but I think getting they, the corner. I think it's the perfect situation for a trade within the division because Dallas knew that Devontae Smith was going to be in the division. Did they want to make a fourth round pick and a few, or, or, right. or not, or a third, a third? Um, did, did you want to trade for a third and allow Philly to have Devontae Smith? And if they don't take him and they, st- they stick and pick, then New York's going to draft Devontae it's Smith. A, he's in the division, it's a great in the division way. either way. You're facing him twice and a year And you probably way. have to draft a it's corner. A, they need a corner. You're going to have to draft a corner in the rest of this draft who's got a chance to cover Devontae. It's a great trifecta in that division of, of moves that happen and to see how it all shook out. I'll also say this. If Jason Garrett isn't the type of offensive mind that can get Kadarius Tony the ball and understand how to use him, Jason Garrett needs to get out of the league. Well, you agree with that. Because that's where the league is right now. I know. I mean, I, well, yeah. you brought this up yesterday because I, I did this. Boy, Kadarius Tony's perfect for a Sean Payton. You know, this guy's perfect for Andy Reid and how he can use him and, and Tyree Kill. And you're right. The more I think about it, if, if Kyle Shanahan can't use a guy and Arthur Smith can't use a guy – and Jason Garrett can't use a guy and go on down the You shouldn't be in the National Football League because the National Football League is a replication now of the college game. And guess what the college game does? They take Kadarius Tony, who was a great quarterback, option quarterback in high school, and Dan Mullen turns him into this scat back slash slot receiver extraordinaire that can also take snaps if you need him to. And that's what the NFL has to figure out how to do. And guess what? Pretty much every offensive coordinator in the NFL can figure it out and find a way to get the guy involved. This is a great test case, Paul, to what you're saying for Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. If he can't figure out a way, die. get out. Leave. You're not wanted here anymore at that point because this is what football is now. Well, that's on Joe Judge and, and Gettleman to a degree. Then Dallas takes Micah Parsons. Good player, no doubt. But they've invested a lot at off-the-ball linebacker, which is not a premium cost position. Leighton Vander Esch is injury-prone. Jalen Smith, right now, you know, they've got a three-man rotation. Sean Lee. Sean Lee just retired. So they've got a three-man rotation at a position where you generally don't take a guy off the field. 
Or, or, think, and when you do, it's I for nickel. I think this speaks to Leighton Van Der Esch's injury issues more than anything. But that's and, not who they want. By the way, Leighton Van Der Esch, correct me so. if I'm wrong, back issues? Yeah. Okay, that's a good yeah, We'll get there. That's a good segue for That's later. not who they okay. wanted. Issues. They took a good player, but that's not who they wanted. This was a desperation. And like, we're referring to Caleb Farley. We're going to give our reaction to the Titans pick coming up in a matter of minutes. Uh, but as we just run through the rest of the first round, and Lance has Lance and Jacob, they have the first round uh, recap here. Uh, you'll see it in reverse order as we go from 32 down, and that's the other page. We we'll um, we'll yeah, get that up in just order. a moment. We want the players. Yeah, the the, the player reaction um, and the the slotting of all of this. So we go. Chargers. Uh, Eric Stokes ends up being a first round pick to Green Bay, as we mentioned. Uh, Baltimore, we knew was going to take Baltimore. We knew was going to take a wide receiver. They ended up doing that uh, by taking Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Gregory Rousseau point. makes it into the first round of Buffalo. There's Two a, running backs selected ahead of Buffalo. We thought the Bills were in for a running back. Yeah, and uh, very curious if tonight there's a carryover because we ended with a run of edge guys. Rousseau, Owe, Tryon. So uh, there's a run right there. Chad, your guy's still available. He's not going to be there when the Titans get on the clock. Trade up. Um, <laughs> I mean, get Ojolari, that guy. You tell me if you could get Osai. Caleb Farley and Ojolari in this draft for the Titans. That is two huge needs right there. And I still think Ojolari is the most proven, ready-made edge guy in this draft. The Joe Tryon pick, which was made quickly by Tampa Bay, was an odd one. I Peyton did not Turner see that also, one coming. Peyton Turner also, uh, he's more of an end, but New Orleans took him at 28. That, that's a lot at the end of the round, pass rushing. Greg Newsom to Cleveland, pretty solid, looks like, right? Yep. The two running backs, uh, uh, that, that was the over-under, one and a half, right? Speaking of the overly gushing about every prospect, Greg Newsom on the ABC broadcast, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they put that guy up there and he was picked. And, I mean, one after the other, and I, said, I mean, this guy's speed. Oh, my gosh, his speed. Oh, look at this speed. Oh, yeah. Watch the speed. Oh, the speed. <laughs> and they just went to everyone like, watch the, oh, watch the break on the. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was orgasmic from everyone on set when they put on the film of Greg Newsom at Northwestern. You want to talk about elite speed. The speed of this. Oh, my gosh, watch this. And they were all just reacting to everything they were showing on film, which I found, which he is fast. But I found funny. Here's one that I really like, if you put that back up, Jacob. Um, Washington, sad at 19. We thought they could go up for a quarterback. At 19, they get Jamin Davis from, uh, yes. from uh, Kentucky. Yes. Now, Washington's got a supremely gifted defensive line. A good so, defense. Yes. But if you've got that front, defensive right. line, the linebackers are doing what? They're operating pretty cleanly. And this guy with speed and long arms can operate cleanly. I, don't, I didn't love him, but I love him operating cleanly. I think that he's going to be a good player. He's on the right team, talking scheme and fit. I thought that was a pick. Leatherwood, listen, the, the Raiders consistently, if you love Leatherwood, that's fine. Trade down. Paul, they don't care about your mock. <laughs> but listen. They don't care about your your. Your draft may have their history own. already of drafting these players that everyone, I mean, the surprises of the first round. Uh, he, he drafted uh, Damon Arnett and Cleland Farrell. 
and Henry Ruggs, who was not the first-rated well, wide the, receiver, uh, and Josh Jacobs, who's a good player, but was not in danger of going off the, the board. Safety from Trayvon State Mullen was another in the second round abroad, in yeah. 2019. All of these guys, that's fine if you like them, but I've argued this for years and years. Once in a while you say, hey, I'm taking my guy no matter what here. But you can't do it six times. You have to judge what the rest of the league thinks of a guy and you're screwing yourself if you consistently do this. You have to gauge. They don't seem to care to gauge. They're just taking their guy. And it costs them because the value is not there. Value for the Titans at pick 22. When we come back, our reaction to Caleb Farley being the pick for the Titans at corner. And we're going to switch gears and, and talk Titans football and set up day two of the draft as well as we move forward here on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Reacting to round one of the NFL draft on Outkick 360 alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul, I hope you bet on Caleb Farley last night. FanDuel.com slash OK360. I have to admit, I, um, I, I went to live bet last night and there was, was no live betting. And so I, I held up on a couple things, and I, uh, I, I was unable to bet. If you're on Twitter right now following us, retweet us. And, yes. Uh, Hit us up we'll on there. And, and bet now. Like, no, because yeah, I, I did the same thing. I, I wasn't thinking about it. It makes total sense because the, the picks get tipped at times online, so they're not going to have live betting. Make your draft bets now at FanDuel with FanDuel.com slash OK360. If you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, we thank you for that. We hope you'll share the post wherever you're watching or subscribe to the channel or both. Leave a, a, a comment as well. Uh, if you are listening after the show to the reaction to the draft on podcast, thank you for that as well. Give us a star rating and or five-star rating, not a star rating, but a star rating. Yeah. And leave us a, a comment review as well. We uh, certainly appreciate that. Check out those it would make Jacob right Swanson's weekend. If you can I'm going to go check out those reviews right now. I haven't checked in a while. Let's see if we have any good ones. Our oh, reviews. Ones. Those are also entertaining. What do you think about my shoes also? Let me know. You can let us know on the YouTube page. It seems to be a popular uh, thread of uh, conversation on that. And from our uh, your reviews of us to our reviews of the Titans, Caleb Farley, the pick at 22, the Titans very enamored. Uh, of him to hear them tell it. I had no reason to, uh, to disagree because they could have moved back for, and they had a choice of a, a lot of, of quality players here. They went with Farley, 6'2", 197, uh, very uh, sleek, smooth, athletic are the words that Mike Vrabel was using. The question is the back. The, the medical procedures, he's had two surgeries off of uh, one incident, a weightlifting thing that, that created this back problem. Says he'll be ready for camp. Says he feels really good. Took it as a pivot point last night that he's glad all this is behind him and that he's ready to go. Uh, you know, had a great quote that, that he's best used in the defense by saying, Caleb, go cover that guy. Take care of that guy. Eliminate that guy. Love to hear it. Um, but, you know, I was pressing last night with Vrabel and Robinson on the medicals. They did, in fact, have their doctor look at Farley himself. Um, so they had that. They're confident in the medicals. But I thought, Hutton, that Robinson was rather flippant about the medical stuff. Yes, our guy checked him out. We felt good about it. 
Farley says he feels good. Well, Virginia Tech's trainers say that he's rehabbing well. And he made it sound like that's it. I, I want to preface the whole conversation by saying this dude is an elite talent. And he's an alpha. Like, it, I, I listen to him, and, I, and you, you watch him on the field. I think he's going to have a swagger about him Absolutely. that Malcolm Butler brought to the field. But a but different a swagger player. because this dude's a first-round pick, and he knows it. Um, there's, you know what I mean? But there's still a chip on his shoulder. Um, aside from that, speed, athleticism, lockdown type of corner for man-to-man coverage on the outside, great positioning. Um, when you watch him play, you see why some teams felt like he's a top 15, top 10 pick. There were, I mentioned yesterday, there was talking to Carolina from some of the beat writers there on the Panthers, that they loved him at eight. Now, they go with J.C. Horn, and when they did that last night, I am thinking about the, the medical history of Caleb Farley. And I asked this question yesterday. If Caleb Farley checks out on the medical sheet for the Titans, how does he fall to 22? I, there still has to be some hesitation there with the medical background. And the, the, uh, Paul, you, you asked about Robinson and some of the comments or the lack of comments on the health. The one thing that I, I that caught my attention was he was asked if Farley would be ready for camp, and now Farley says yes. Right. You know what, what did he Would say? When, he goes, "There are some who think you won't be ready for camp," and he said, "I rebuke that in the name of Jesus." No, he said he said I rebuke <laughs> that in the name of Jesus to a second another surgery. Yeah, to another Somebody surgery. Somebody was pressing on it. Will there be an additional surgery? And then he said he, he would said, absolutely he, not. I rebuke that. In the name and then of he Jesus. he did say he did reference he thought he would be available yes. for camp. But, but Robinson saying that he, the answer to that, will, will Caleb Farley be ready for training camp? He says, we don't put timetables on injuries. We know he's ready to work, and he said he's feeling good. Now, that references what he's feeling like. What he I, says he's feeling. There is a timetable on this, on this player. That timetable is training camp. This and week one. He, he needs to start, and he needs to start from the jump. He's that good. J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan, top ten talents. This guy is regarded as that if healthy. The Titans are saying that their medical personnel evaluated him and they felt good enough and strong enough on that evaluation to draft him in the first round. He, top 10 talents start. And, and the timetable is training camp and getting him ready for the regular season. That's the timetable. You can have, you can have a, we're not putting timetables on injuries as guys get banged up. But when you have a selection of a player, and you're putting your chips all in. And I, look, it's a gamble. Is, is it a gamble worth, worth taking and a risk worth taking? We can have this debate, and we will today, uh, because he can be a true difference maker for their defense. But he's got to see the field. And by, by clearing the medicals in the pre-draft press conference, you're saying he's available. I don't, I don't know why we can't put a timetable on that. I, I, uh, I'm having a hard time squaring the, the two different realities of, of Caleb Farley. He is a top ten talent and he was drafted at number 22. The Titans have to take a guy that was there at 22 because he's a top 10 talent. I agree with that on its face, and he is a top 10 talent. The dude is 6'2", 207, and he ran faster on the field than Tyreek Hill, who was the fastest human ever registered on an NFL field. Over 24 miles per hour. Over 24 miles per hour. This guy is big, long, fast, got the right disposition to go out there and lock someone down and he's not going to back down from a challenge. Love everything about that. I don't love that he's got a back problem. 
And, and you could call it whatever you want. He's had two back surgeries. He's got a back issue, and back issues rarely get better. John Robinson was a part of a regime that brought in Rob Gronkowski, who had back surgery when he was at Arizona. Rob Gronkowski is going to be a Hall of Famer. It worked out. Now, he was not always available. He also battled injuries throughout, I think it's 11 or 12 years now in his career. So I can understand that, hey, we've done it before. We can do it again. We brought up Leighton Vander Esch, back issues. Cowboys are already hedging that he's going to have back issues and, and injury problems. The Titans clearly feel confident in their doctors and their assessment. Paul, you wrote about it at paulkarski.com. I'm having a difficult time squaring how a guy with this physical talent at a position of need in the NFL, it's all about affecting the quarterback and helping the quarterback. You can affect the quarterback by sacking him or covering up his favorite target. Caleb Farley is a player who covers up the quarterback's favorite target. Then how does a top 10 pick get to 22? It's because of injuries. Why did the other teams pass on them? Are the Titans smarter than the other teams in their medical evaluation? I hope so. And I know Titans fans hope so also. I think it's a great pick from a talent, from mm -hmm. a mentality standpoint, position of need, all of that. Love Caleb Farley, the player. But, Paul, I just am having a difficult time completely squaring away when this guy's eligible, what the other teams thought about them. And, Hutton, I'm with you. you got to have him ready for training camp. I don't know why it's so difficult to say, well, the expectation is, and our doctors and from him, He's going to be ready to go. That, that's, what we, that's our expectation. Well, they, they just... They're hedging. Yeah. They don't want to put out if a goal and then he does and it's a and something happens, then it'll be the end of the world. We'll all go back but to I that sound clip and go, oh, my God, they I don't said think it's in the ready. world, though, to say our expectation is training camp. Right now, he's on, on track to be here for training camp. You can always come back and say he had a setback, and people can freak out. They're going to freak out either way. Yeah. But it's, it's fine to say that. I, I understand uh, that element. Look... I think, you know, and Hutton and I were talking about it before the show, this idea that the medicals clearly held some teams back, right? Dallas desperately wanted a corner. Clearly, they didn't take him because why? It's not because they preferred a linebacker. Um, you know, I would say that Dallas didn't think he was worth 11 or 12 or wherever they wound up because 13 because of his health issues. It's, it, to your but point, 10 spots later, is he worth it? It's, uh, and do you have a different medical evaluation? Well, the, the, he's being compared to Jeffrey Simmons. It's not Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, when he was drafted, the Titans knew, and we all did, they discussed it that night, that he wasn't going to be available for a little bit. Now we didn't. He was ahead of schedule. No, I don't think anyone thought he was going to be available in October. Whenever he made his debut against the Chargers that Sunday at Nissan Stadium, but we we knew he wasn't starting the season. We knew he wasn't participating in the offseason. He was rehabbing. Um, with this, there is just this refusal to even know. It's it's almost as though they don't really know for sure, even though the medical guy cleared him. Like it's a right. Well, yesterday was like, well, and and really, he hasn't rehabbed. But that I think that's what Paul's saying. They they know what they think they know. Right. They don't want to put an expectation out there to disappoint people. And they don't put timetables on anybody. They don't. I mean, they didn't on Simmons. You know, they didn't say he'll be back in the middle of October. I, guess, I, guess I think part of the reason, though, that, that, that Dory Jackson isn't here is because they put a timetable on him. Internally. And he wouldn't play. Internally. So it, uh, they don't have to state the timetable, but I think they have timetables. Oh, they definitely do. But that guy was on the roster. 
they chose to use a first-round pick and not trade down with the number of players available. Robinson said this last night, and look, I'm not second-guessing his decision to stick and pick if the guy's healthy. It's the right call. Uh, But he said, like, we weren't going to trade down because we knew we would risk losing the player. We filled his call. They wanted this guy. If that's the case, he's available for training camp. Here's my and, and and everything's clear. Here we go. Here's my other question. We're looking at the front end of his career. I want to look at the back end of his career. And I touched on this the other day. In the and back I just, end of his career, the Titans might not be any good. I just I'm interested okay. in the front end of his career right now. Me no, too. but I, I but when you're making a first round pick, you have to look at the whole. Okay, the whole let's career. look at John Robinson's history of first round okay, picks. Okay, well hold on. How let many me, are here past let me four finish years? Out. That's what I'm asking. Okay. Do you need more than five years out of Caleb Farley for him to be a Titan success? I just put this out as a poll question. Hmm. Because the Titans haven't signed people to second contracts. And I don't know what John Robinson's expectations are for draft picks. We haven't seen it. Who signed a second contract? Jack Conklin didn't. Corey Davis didn't. Uh, Joy Jackson's been cut. Rashawn Evans is about to not get his option picked up. Jeffrey Simmons is a guy with a chance. Isaiah Wilson's gone already. Is Caleb Farley going to be the first or second guy with Simmons to sign a second contract? Or... If his back degenerates at about five years or you project that at that second contract stage, he's going to deteriorate, are you okay with that if you get a good four or five years out of him? Some teams would be okay with that. Are the Titans one of those teams? Let me give you a different answer to that question, Paul. Uh, if the Titans win a Super Bowl in the next four years, it's fine. <laughs> and then he can That's go fair. anywhere he wants. Well, if Caleb Farley helps them win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl, then it's great That's and fair. he can be gone and that's fine. If not... Then I, I want you a first-round pick to stick. Sign a second. I contract. want people to think of Caleb Farley six years from now and think, well, he's an All-Pro-level corner and he's a Tennessee Titan. Yeah, I <laughs> and think he's been the there his whole career. I think That'd the be expe- nice. I think you're right, and I think our expectations have been reduced on second contracts for first-rounders because we haven't seen them and because the players haven't been good enough to warrant the second contracts. Also, let, let's look at it from the risk-reward standpoint too. Like, uh, if you take a step back and just think, what does this defense need? What they, what they didn't have a year ago. They didn't have the guy. Uh, Vrabel, Vrabel said, you know, he can play that, that cat coverage. Yeah, I got this cat, you got that cat. Right. They could do that last year. No. They barely run with receivers <laughs> last year. I mean, Butler's the only guy that had the mentality of that, but he was he doesn't have the physical skills to do uh, it with that. You mean guy. they didn't tell so, Justin Joseph Jefferson to go get made that him cat? look foolish. So the yeah. So they <laughs> Hey, go <laughs> run with that guy. <laughs> They put Jonathan Joseph a, in some really Jonathan bad Joseph's idea of, of going with that cat was lining 25 yards <laughs> off the line of scrimmage, just so, keeping him in front. So knowing that you have Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton, what's riskier? Going into the issue this year with those two and uh, second or third round, I'm not even going to mention Kevin Johnson in this scenario. Going into it with those two on the outside and a second or third rounder, I'm assuming, in the slot. Or saying, you know what? This is a legitimate top five to ten player overall on the board this year. And he's close. We think he's – our medical guys were fortunate enough to be in Indianapolis and evaluate him. And he's really – we think he's close to being available week one. If not – we're not 100%. We're, we're much higher than the average in the league. Is it worth putting your chips on that player and, and saying, you know, if we hit on this guy – Gold. We've we've hit a 
monumental upgrade they've over where we were decided, last year to this year. They've obviously decided that. And look, I'm with you about needing him right away. But I also think, like, if the scenario is he might miss two weeks, it's not ideal. But I could live with might this miss coming two from weeks. a guy who just harped on the fact that their their draft picks barely see the no, field. They the they need it. They need guys immediately. But I, if you love the guy and he's going to miss two weeks, it's two weeks of conceivably what sixty four. Or, or more games. But two. what's he missing two weeks for? Another procedure? No, because the no. procedure that Continued he just recovery. had. recovery. But the t- procedure you just have has a recovery time of two months. Two well, months. He should be it, right. Ha- it, I, I've looked into that more. It has a recovery time of two months. But at the end of that two months, you're not. You're still not supposed to be like lifting, you know, crazy I don't stuff want or this, whatever. I don't want this hedging already. And I, I say it for this is why the first two weeks is so important. I think he's and there he for camp. Be, he has to be ready for camp. Well, he I think he's ready. He has to be fully healthy. He has to be ready for game one. Why? Because we don't know how lo- open this window is for the Titans and where they are right now. They have a really good team right now. That's capable of doing big things. I don't know that it's really good until I they see just won their on the division with six new starters. Games. They've gone from the six AFC new championship defensively. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, that they're not that good if they needed six new starters on defense, is what I'm but, saying. But they they needed six new starters on defense and they won 11 games. Yeah. I get exactly. If they if the they redo spot. this defense and they're remotely close to as good on offense, they're a really good team. I think we'd all agree with that. They went to the AFC championship game two years ago. They just won their division. Uh, they need guys to immediately step in and do something. If not, that's not good because, again, I don't know how open this window is of time to where they're going to have a championship competitive team. Yeah. So they need guys right away. I think it's open as long as Derrick Henry keeps going. I want to raise one other thing yeah. on the injuries. One thing I saw from a lot of fans is, oh, another injured first-round pick. And I just want to go through this. Corey Davis came in off ankle surgery. Right? Yes. In 2017. You didn't run prior to the draft. Right. Adoree Jackson, as far as I remember, came in healthy. Rashawn Evans came in healthy, got hurt in camp, but he didn't come in as an injured guy. Correct me when I'm wrong. Jeffrey Simmons, we all know the story. Mm -hmm. Okay? They drafted a guy who was rehabilitating from surgery. Isaiah Wilson, as big a bust as he was, didn't come in unhealthy. So. Well, no, no. He came came in in completely out of shape. Fat. Fat is not unhealthy, though. Fat's not an injured. You're not drafting an injured guy. You're drafting a fat guy. Pre-diabetes is unhealthy. Okay. <laughs> so, so I, I would list that as an injury. <laughs> so, can, uh, am I correct here? He doesn't have a record of drafting injured guys. He drafted Corey Davis coming off January ankle surgery, and he drafted Jeffrey Simmons, who everybody it was not like, you know, who was a value at 19 because he had a torn ACL. This Christian, is his well, seventh, you're taking first round. First round. This is Christian his seventh. Was banged up. Right, but this is his seventh first round pick. Two of them were injured. This is the third. Does that give him a history of drafting injured first rounders? Uh, I mean, it, I think it tells you he trusts his staff, his medical staff. Um, but is this some diabolical, diabolical trend? The way some people are making it out to well, be. This year, it's just different. This year, uh, for the for the need and the want and the the, the fact that. Can you, can you have a guy that's going to take a little bit more time at, a, at a, a draft selection where you need an impact performance? We mentioned Jeffrey Simmons when he came in. You had a luxury on the interior defensive front where you had a veteran presence that you could count on and you could bring that guy along. Christian Fulton last year, Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler at the time were the starters and this guy was going to work in 
to the nickel or wherever yeah. it was going to be and replace Logan Ryan. But I, I think there have been high picks in the past where uh, Wesley Woodyard well, they all scored get hurt for Rashawn Evans. They all get hurt and can't. Well, but this year, do you have enough at the position where you can wait a month if you have to wait a month on this guy? Well, the rest of the draft will tell us. They're going to need another corner here. But this is – I think the fans' reaction, if, if you're worried or uh, nervous about it, it's not about is the guy ready for camp. Is It's more about is the durability going to be there over the short term and the long term based on the injury history. I'll say this. Usually the fans are incredibly optimistic about the pick. I think the reason they might not be incredibly optimistic about this pick is because of the repercussions of last year's pick. Last year's pick being such a disaster. Well, let's get into this. They, they are com- more prone to see the doubt about the downside of the pick now, right? It is and so, so instead of seeing though. Caleb Farley is a potential top 10 pick and we got a steal, they're saying, oh, this guy has a back problem and he could be a disaster. And John Robinson set that up by drafting, drafting a catastrophe last year. The difference is uh, there is a consensus across the nation that this guy has elite talent. And when the Titans went Isaiah Wilson, he was what, the third or fourth tackle? I don't remember, but something like uh, that. He was a, but he was still seen as a sort of a raw project, like a big, strong kid Aside that from, could project right. into something better. And we're talking the, the fan reaction here. Aside from that, it, it's hard not to listen to <laughs> to Caleb Farley's mentality and know that he's going to fit in well with well, he's got the, the defensive mindset and the skill set it's going to take and require to play the way they want to play on the outside. I was very encouraged to not hear a hearty laugh out of Caleb Farley uh, compared to last year. This guy's just straight sure. to the point. By the way, he was very uh, relatively short last night as compared to I listened to the, the press conference he did at his pro day where he was a lot more kind of uh, uh, relaxed, if you will. He expanded on the back stuff, obviously, because that was a point in time where he needed to really clarify that stuff, but also proclaiming himself the best corner in the draft and all of that stuff. Last night, also, he wasn't in the best situation. He was in a car going from a relative's house to his house to get ready to make the trip here, which wasn't the best uh, scenario. But he, he, he pull he, over he, and stop I, and yeah, do I it? Yeah, I didn't understand oh that. You don't have to be driving in that moment when you're doing your first teleconference in the NFL. I don't, I don't understand that. Anyway, but he used it as a pivot going. point. You know, I'm glad all this stuff is behind me. I'm ready to go. Give me the playbook. Uh, you know, had some good answers, but also was, was much, much kind of shorter. I think when he's given time to kind of sit down and not be in a I rush think like that. for that. Yeah, and he's got swagger and, and that attitude An that example. the secondary had three years yes. ago when my yes. man catch no balls was a was That's a what thing. it reminds me of. And and he was asked, Chad, hey, what's your mentality when you line up from the, the, the best receivers in your conference? Or what's your mentality coming into the league when you're going to be lining up against the best receivers in the world? And he said that the guy across from me is not on my level. And I'm going to show him why. I'm paraphrasing that, but that, he said that. And then he was asked, you know, what, do you, what do you say to those that say you're not healthy or that your back issues are going to be concerned long term? He said, I would say to those people, uh, if you don't want to uh, if you don't want me on my team, play against me. Yeah, he said, I play want, against me. It got to a point where I want to play for somebody that believes in me, and if you don't play against play me. Play against me. I and like that. that. But that, that mentality is going to work well for him because 
there's a chip on his shoulder about the whole the back issue. It, like he said something about uh, it's going to work well with Mike Vrabel. Well, Vrabel told him also. in the phone call. I don't know if you saw the video that you know the Titans put out the phone call. Robinson talking to him. Yes. Amy Adams Strunk talking to him. Vrabel talking to him. And Vrabel said, "Hey, I know a lot of teams passed on you." You know, paraphrasing, it's frustrating and everything, but when you talk to the media, it's all about team. <laughs> and, and, you know, and He didn't want to hear him say, I'm going to make all these teams regret it and all, all of that stuff. So that's the furthest he went was the, if you, you know, play against me. It's going to be a lot of fun watching him. I, yes. I, I, our discussion here is not about they made the wrong selection. This is not Chad from 365 days ago discussing whether or not they needed a third-string offensive tackle at the time. <laughs> but th- this, this is about just, is, is the risk worth the reward? And if the guy plays, he's going to ball. I mean, he is a ball player. And I, I'm excited for him to, to see him defensively. Is, is your assumption now, Paul, that Fulton's inside? Yes. This guy's not. He's an outside. Guy. He is an outside. But he's physical. He, and, and, and they can match up now. They, they, he can Absolutely. run with the, the, the fast, quick guys inside if they, if they get matched up on that. He's big enough to cover the tight end and the slot if the guy moves a running back that moves out. In not, uh, there's nobody, I don't think, that you would say you didn't want him on. That's, that's the true value in that type of They haven't had somebody player. like that in, in some time. Vincent Andre Wolfel. <laughs> Randy on Twitter. By the way, interact with us on Twitter. Samari Roll. Kick 360. Samari Roll is one of those Samari, guys. Sure. No, I was going to say Samari Roll I checked in with because we know how good he is at evaluating corners. Uh, I checked in with him before I made the, the, the pick and said I, I thought Farley. He said total boom or bust guy. Let's get Samari on the show next week yeah. during a power hour. And he preferred Greg Newsom. Boom or bust because of? The back? Uh, I, I think overall. Overall. Yeah. So, uh, something to think about, and this is a funny way to put it, but uh, Randy on Twitter, again, follow us on Twitter at Outkick360, interact with us that way. He writes in and says, my doctor told me I was good to go after my vasectomy, but it took me getting back into live action to know for sure if the surgery came out okay. How can you okay a player after two back procedures without physically seeing him in game-type physical activity? Well, it's not an option. It's a fair question. It's not an option. You don't have the option of seeing him in game-type activity. But your option is to draft the player or not without knowing. Right. And the Titans took the option The only way you see him in game-type activity is to sign him as a free agent in four or five years. Um, So what did the Titans set themselves up for today? We we have the FanDuel.com slash OK360 odds on the position they, well, they will select again at pick 53. They didn't have the 85th overall selection, which is their first pick in the third round, and they'll pick again at pick 100. Um, so the odds makers in Vegas and right now at FanDuel, you can bet wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line as the top three positions favored for the Titans at pick 53. Defense the rest of the way up until the, the long odds of quarterback or running back. Well, the odds play here is linebacker at plus 1,100. You're talking about an edge guy. I mean, there's a decent chance they take an edge guy here, though there's a big they, rush run on edge right here. And they need but uh, if you want a good linebacker as well. Going to yes. do that right now. In fact. Right? I'll do it too, and I'm going to do it well before the draft starts tonight. 
I, I think they've got it right. Wide receiver is mm -hmm. the clear-cut favorite, but you're getting no return there. Linebacker, that's a giant return. So um, I, I would say linebacker, tight end, or, or I, I would go wide receiver, linebacker, tight end. I just don't know that the second-round tight end is the value. Um, and I think a lot of edge people are coming off. I'm thinking Rondale Moore, Amari Rogers are guys that could be in the thing. The guy I don't want, Levi Anwuzariki. From, Once again, uh, I, I got everyone. You found Nailed every guy. Uh, you're knocking it out of the park Thanks. with pronunciations, but you're really going hard. Defensive tackle from Washington, who I think they like, but I just don't want him here. So uh, we have the best available. I believe this is from ESPN.com. Uh, best available players. Awusu, who, is, uh, who Paul mentioned he didn't want in the first round for the Titans. I he's, still don't want He's the top of the list, and uh, many are thinking that Jacksonville could be on the board. We're about and to by the way, Chad these. gave me grief about a little bit of grief, saying he didn't think he was going to be drafted in that situation. Obviously, he wasn't. But Kuyper and McShay both had him coming off at 17-18 in their mocks, in their final mocks. So it wasn't outrageous to suggest that he would have gone. So here are the best available. Oh, yeah. And this is from, I, I, I believe they take this straight from Kuiper's board yeah, this for ESPN.com. Uh, but so he has a Wusu at, at number one available. But you see some of the positions. Elijah Moore, for all of the discussion about being the fourth wide receiver taken, He's not. He's he's not selected. He will be How the many have sixth, Four? according to this. Oh, yep. Bateman. Bateman went. Bateman two. also went. So there so were Tony five, and Bateman. Five wide receivers selected last night. Elijah Moore, not one of them. Chad's favorite player in this draft, Tevin Jenkins, also available. And Eichenberg, um, who he had going both to the Colts and the Ravens, turned Az away by both. Aziz Ojolari, surprisingly not selected last night. He is available. There's Eichenberg, Asante Samuel Jr. Christian Barmore. Um, Javante Williams is going to go fairly quickly. quickly. He's the next running back for sure. He's the next best, and then there is a significant drop-off. Plus, he has some excellent speed. Ronnie Perkins has been mocked to the Titans in, in some, some other uh, draft boards uh, for day number two. Uh, and there, there's the rest. Uh, Carlos Basham, Levi O. Boogie Basham from I Wake like Forest like is him. an interesting player to watch uh, when the Titans Bigger. go on the clock at 53 um, for the value they could find. Elijah Molden, who you like now, now a guy like that's scratched off. You know, scratch off all these second level. Not how long, though. Hunter Long's still a possibility. I like Rondale Moore. Uh, as, as the next tier of, of uh, slot-type receivers that could be around when the Titans come up. And while we're discussing uh, the, the weekend of the draft, earlier this week we gave our round three and beyond, as we'll recap that, yes. uh, and, and go through and remind everyone of who we're watching for and why. I'm feeling so good Titans. now, I think I'm getting two out of my three that since I hit the first round. So, bang, bang. That's oh, you're saying uh, for third round? His guess, well, third yeah. round and on, I want two out of my three now. I'm getting cocky. So we mine, again, mine was not a prediction. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'm not predicting. Simply saying what I would do, and here is what I would do. So here's Charles Chats. Snowden on the edge, big man, long arms. <laughs> Sound like the guys on the, Look, the set picture. now on TV. This great sp speed, <laughs> great skier. I mean, the speed. My gosh, watch of all the speed. Who was it that they were the talking film, about? The speed. This what? Who was it that they were talking about with the speed? Uh, um, 
the Newsom from uh, Greg Newsom. Yeah, Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Jacob Harris Hutton. Both you and I have him. Uh, six four two fifteen. A slightly built tight end, but sort of a jumbo receiver. Kind of in the mold of Kyle Pitts. He can and runs a four four forty and can go up and get it. And I want to see the Titans get a kicker this weekend. I don't like the kicking situation right now. I am totally fine with him taking a kicker in the seventh round. And this would be in the area where people are falling asleep on Saturday afternoon, that pick. Next up, there. so Elijah Molden is where I would have gone. So uh, that's a scratch. And in my, in my deal, everyone knows I wanted Zayvon Collins, who went to, to Arizona. Uh, the, the player I'll point out here is Dwayne Eskridge, Western Michigan wide receiver. That's a good pick. Late third, fourth round pick. Um, same college as Corey Davis. Different player. This guy's 5'9 and sub 4'4 track speed. And when you watch him, he's the best player on the field. And because of that, until this past year, they even lined him up at corner some for Washington. We know how good the Washington defensive backs were. Uh, they're going high in this draft. This guy used to play defensive back for the college. And it was because of that speed. And he is tough. He's not only a kick returner, but he's a gunner on the punt team. And I, I think he would be a perfect addition for what the offense can do and what they need speed-wise versus uh, where they left off last season. I like a Washington corner as well um, out of that defensive backfield. And I think he could be the kind of guy now with, um, with a first-round pick in-house that would be a, a help to the back end of the secondary. Yes. Uh, didn't, didn't put up interception numbers. But uh, if you go to my slide, Jacob, it didn't put up interception numbers, Keith Taylor. But uh, it was around the ball a lot, you know, so he's not a finisher. But uh, a, a guy that did not let up very much of a passer rating, did not let up, uh, broke up a lot of passes. And, and, and the Paul, like in Keith Taylor. Uh, we, we both think, and Chad does as well, two wide receivers are needed in this draft. Mike Strawn put up huge numbers at Charleston, not a high level. Um, but Mike, uh, Mike uh, John Robinson really has an affinity for small school guys with big production. This guy has great combination of size and speed. And then Isaiah McDuffie, a Boston College guy, we've all talked about how Robins, uh, Vrabel would have seen Hunter Long a lot at Boston College while watching his son. He also seen Isaiah McDuffie. Uh, Titans need some help at inside linebacker and some depth. I, I, we have yet to mention um, a, a tight end and all of our tight end discussion. Yeah, Pat yeah. Fryermuth. Is, is there an? You think there's any discussion about 53 being a tight end? We we have spent a lot of time with the third round selection because there's a pod of tight ends that are, according to the consensus, right there around pick 80 to 100, and the Titans hold two picks in the middle of that. Uh, but Pat Fryermuth is, according to the consensus draft analyst experts, big boards, the next tight end off the board. So if that is the case, the Titans are tight end needy, do they consider going tight end at 53 and taking uh -huh. care of another need? I think absolutely. I mean, if it's a guy like that, he's second behind Kyle Pitts. For tight ends. Mm -hmm. So if he's there, I don't think he'll be there in that spot. But if he's there, I think you have to consider it because it's definitely a position of need. It's not the position of need right now, but it is definitely a position of need. And if you've got a guy that's slotted on your big board way up past everyone else that's there, 
with that that next pick, I think you got to consider it. I don't think he's going to be there, but also, and I rely a lot on Brugler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brugler, yeah. I think I like what he, I like the way he presents his information. Yes, um, and and it's a very easy thing to to look at. He calls him a high floor NFL starter, and I want high ceiling NFL starters. In That's the, Jacob in Harris the, in the second round, who right? we brought up, not in the second round. Right, but he's later. a later guy and and a project, I, you know. Um, I just I, I feel like they can do better in the second round at a different position than they can do with Fryermuth at tight end. I only bring him up because yeah, we he's, we he's next. At, he, he's going to be listed number one among the tight ends available, and it's a need position. And and you know in Vegas, you you have the option of going with the position right now at, at FanDuel. Yeah, and this is the first we've spoken of him. I think right. in it our, is. Our entire yeah, thing. I, I wanted to bring him up. Um, so we're going to see at least four teams, I think, make their first selections of the night. The Texans will, will select. The Chiefs will be on the clock. The Seahawks. And there's one other one. Oh, the Rams. Yep. The Rams will also be selecting for the first time in this draft tonight. So, You know what's always interesting about teams like this? Um, in my thinking, anyway, and I, I haven't looked at any history. You know, eager, eager, eager to pick, having waited, but also – don't have a lot of picks, uh, you know, having waited this long. And you wonder, you know, if, if, if you have a trade down in play, not, not very far, but if you could trade down four or five spots right out of the gate and get additional picks right. because you've been out of it so long and you want some, some quantity. First round picks by conference. SEC had 12 players of the 32 Half of last which night. were from one school. Yeah, no the no big, surprise. The Big Ten had seven so 19 of the 32 from the SEC or the Big Ten. ACC with six, Pac-12 with three, the American Athletic Conference with two, Independent one, and uh, FCS had one, of course, who's, with Trey Smith. Who's independent? Uh, BYU. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Big 12 had zero. That was one that jumped out to me. Uh, we talked about the powers with Oklahoma being in that mix of the schools that have been to the most college football playoffs. Oh, Jalari. Yeah. Well, and to not have a uh, – well, he's from Georgia. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was thinking – Tevin uh, Jenkins. Yeah. Well, at Oklahoma State, yeah. No, I was thinking Osai. But to Oklahoma to not have a first-round pick without as good as they've been or anyone in the Big 12 is surprising. Texas uh, with Osai. Uh, yep. You know, he's another guy I thought would be – Bottom end for if you told me that there were going to be three edge off the board at the end of the first round, I don't think I would have picked the three that came off the board at the end of the first round in Rousseau, who we've talked about having such a limited body of work, Owe, who didn't have a sack at Penn State in his final year, and Tryon from Washington. I mean, what kind of odds could you gotten on those three being the first rounders? So, uh, did you expect more trades or less last night? I think it was just about up? right. I was expecting more. Didn't see one until 10 yeah, with I, Dallas. Because you had the one team in Chicago that traded up to get their quarterback. People were patient with I the I was expecting more teams to attempt to trade up to get a quarterback. I thought, for example, someone would trade up to get Mac Jones before he fell to the Patriots at, at 15. So I, I think there were there were less than I expected. Jets went up and got Vera Tucker, 
Um, so that was an interesting one there at, at 14 with Minnesota, who dropped all the way back to what uh, 23 behind and the still Titans drafted and still got Darisaw. Yeah, so uh, that was an interesting one. So they end up with Darisaw, and he's a tackle, right? Yep. So Slater goes to the Chargers one pick ahead of where the Vikings were going to select. And so that's a team. Let's talk about teams that just sat there and found what they wanted. New England, obviously, with Mac Jones. The Chargers, for sure, at mm-hmm. 13. And we talked about uh, the Bengals' failure to take the, the tackle to protect Joe Burrow. The Chargers clearly know that with their quarterback, uh, and they've got a good one, a good young quarterback, their offensive line just doesn't cut it. They got the second-best tackle in this draft by consensus in Slater by sitting tight at 13 and just letting him come to them. So that, that brings up a point about how I would spin this internally with the Titans. Not that there's spin needed, but if you want to shift focus off of the back issues – as the reason Farley was available. All you point to are the quarterbacks that went ahead of you, um, the, the, the teams where the player, like Slater, fell right to the team that was in desperate need of that player, where there's everyone knew that they were going to draft offensive line when the Chargers went on the board because Slater was available. And then you have the run on corners. After that, it's only about six, what, five, six players left until Farley gets to you. Um, so why not point to that as the reason why Farley was available at 22? That's how I would react to it if the medical history checked out. And I would also say, we've cleared him. He's good to go. Like, we, we're telling you that he's good to go by validating the draft pick and not trading down and seeing if he's available five or six picks later and picking up more draft capital by doing so. Well, let, let's do this. Let's go through it. Who passed on Farley? Okay. Uh, Carolina and Denver took other cornerbacks. So we say they passed on Farley. Yep. There's Dallas. two. Dallas passed on Farley and took Micah Parsons. All right. Chargers we just talked about. Jets came up and got a tackle that they needed. New England took the quarterback. Arizona. Arizona was in love with Zayvon Collins. It came out last night that everybody was pairing them. So they I'm took not no going time with on them. the clock. They took no time. Pick. Raiders apparently were in love with Leatherwood. Uh, Dolphins and Jalen Phillips were put together for a long time. Washington, we talked about Davis being a perfect pairing for them. Giants, I think. They don't need corner, but the, the I mentioned this yesterday. After pick from 16 on, from, from Arizona to the end of the draft, 14 teams Needed. are in need of defensive back. Okay, but when we're going like this, we got two more teams. Giants, you said, didn't need, and Colts were going uh, pass rusher or tackle. Well, the Giants already have all of the Titans secondary. They don't, need right. any, they don't need any more players. So we counted three teams, technically, that we feel like really outright passed on Farley. Yeah. So, in terms of the injury concern, that's only three teams that would have judged them. Two of them took corners that they might have outright preferred. You know, it wouldn't have been unreasonable to prefer them to Farley. And the other one, you know, so, so you could technically look at this and say Dallas was the only team that was scared off of, of him by the injury, conceivably. Well, you mentioned... Uh, How many of those other players, though, are... Uh, teams selected a player that would be considered a lesser player, uh, top ten talent, and were in need of corner. 
like could use a starting corner that there are more than one team in Dallas well, that could have done that. Yeah, everybody can use a starting corner, uh, but you know they have other stuff they've got to get to, and they're going to find a starting corner, you know, today or or early tomorrow. It's a fun exercise. You know what else is a fun exercise? Watching fan bases at the oh. draft try to fake enthusiasm. You were great for on the this, player on the that they chain. can't, they didn't know they were going to pick. Starting with the Broncos when they took Sertan, and the woman uh, you could tell was devastated. They had the camera on, but didn't try to do like this motion, like "All right, come on down, come on down." And once the player was there, and then uh, there was another great reaction from the Browns, maybe, and the Cowboys, and the Cowboys, but they were oh. And then, okay, good job. Oh, the yeah, Giants. great, great. Um, yeah. Or was it Washington? It was no, Washington. Kadarius, Kadarius Tony, Washington was, was a, a good one you part. mentioned with Davis. Yeah, Washington was terrible. I mean, they didn't even really muster the fake applause. But the Giants, it, SVP was rolling it. I mean, there was one guy that, like, put his hands on his head and another. And, and Scott Van Pelt's going, Kadarius Tony? Like, he played at Florida? You haven't seen how electric this guy is? Who, who exactly are you – like, what exactly did you want there? This is a guy that would, who could score every time he touches the ball. Usually a fan base is going to be excited by that guy, even if you don't need him, even if it's a redundant pick, and you're dejected over Kadarius Tony. Remember the old days, though, where at Radio City Music Hall, fans that didn't like a pick would actually boo yeah. and, and stay angry? And not realize, oh, the cameras are on me. Yeah, it's great. It's the NFL. All our picks are good. Come on down. Yeah, Davis from Kentucky. Watched all of his films. I don't know about He's the terrific. Sack. I, I, I love the guy. And much... here's the other thing, too, about the draft that, that irks me since I'm on this. Do we have to have a cause for every pick? Can we take the uh, alert about food insecurity before the Browns pick and do that online somewhere and show all the money you're raising? I don't like the big backpat that the NFL does with – now we have raised this much money for this when they go up to the podium to pick. And it puts it in an awkward spot because the fans are booing the young want. high school girl up there that's <laughs> talking about how she doesn't have internet access. And they're bringing her up there to get booed. They want the pick. Because they want the pick. And Roger Goodell's going up there and saying, internet access is a big problem. And I'm thinking, here we go again. I, I was but in- it's one after the other. And I'm, I like that they give to charities. But let's do this on your online wing or do something else during the actual draft broadcast. Or third round. We don't need to hear about food insecurity before the Jets make their second pick. I don't, I don't, can we not do away with that? I was in the bathroom for one of these. Am I a jerk for saying that? Not really. I was in the bathroom for one of these, and I could hear the commissioner, like, vaguely. And I'm like, all right, here he comes. I'm going to be able to hear this pick. And then he was going on and on. I'm like, what the hell's happening here? Like, I'm just listening for a school or name that tips me off. And then I came out, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's one just, of these. It's just one a of these big pronouncement. I, like, it's a big television production getting fans excited about the hope of the future. See, and then they come out to alert us about food insecurity. See, I think they and think. And tell you about that, and I'm thinking, just let's do that. I love that they're giving money, and, and it's all for a cause. But let's, let's do that separate of the television broadcast where we're not one after the other, Roger Goodell is explaining how great the NFL is. See, I think they get a, a lot of attention there because you're on the edge of your seat waiting for the name, and so you're paying very close attention to that announcement because you're waiting for it to be over and hear the name at the end of it. So it is prime real estate to like advertise your charitable occasion. goodness. Like it's a fun, joyous event. Let's not remind everyone about how bad the last year has been. With every pick, Although, I, I don't understand. There was a, the PA announcer for Tennessee football. We'd always joke about this. 
there would be like a big third or fourth down stop coming up in a timeout, and the crowd's getting into third it. Down and it would for be what? in 2012. Pat Summit was diagnosed with early onset dementia, and it's like, oh, the whole crowd just goes down. It'd be, you know, we would joke about he would all, they would always have this moment of it should be fun and joyous, and let's bring up some big downer before the big third or fourth down stop. And I'm thinking that when they go to the picks, it also puts everyone they bring up there in a terrible spot because they're they feel like they're getting booed because Roger Goodell isn't giving the pick. He's talking about whatever charity the NFL is involved with in the moment. Although. I, I thought the chair idea was a really good one. Bringing the chair from his basement on stage. Yeah, that was that was good. Where you have one fan, even though it was... They, but that's fun. That's they, more of the fun nature of it. But, you know, they, they, they tried to... The only thing I didn't... I, I, I don't like staging something and then trying to pull off as though it's live, like, from, from this angle. Well, oh, we're we're now going to select a lucky fan for Jacksonville. And, you like you said, right, you can see her waiting off camera... And they went to the wrong camera angle, and they're waving no, her through. Like, That's your cue. Go. It's your time. See, yeah, you got I, you got someone with an earpiece in. Like, come on, come I on, like Jacksonville the, fan. Let's I like go. the idea, but then it's not well executed. Well, because it was if from there on. If you're a Browns fan, and I show you the first look at the card, you're either going, "Oh man," right, or right. "Yes," and all of these people are stone faced. Well, so that does nothing. I, I want to see the first reaction of the guy who gets to see the pick first. That makes it exciting. Then I'm super excited to hear the name because this guy loved it or hated it. Well, you also, also the, these teams are sending these fans as, like, award winners. So it doesn't matter what the name is. They're going to cheer it. Like they're, well, they they're weren't going doing to be, anything, they're going to be though. They were all stone-faced. And if you're going to make the announcement, I get your level of excitement. You can't scream to the level of the Cowboys woman that I can't even understand who the pick is. She was out of breath. It was Michael. <laughs> but, oh, I thought she said Michael something. I said, what Michael was after Parsons. Michael? There's a Michael in the first round? I didn't know there was a Michael. Oh, Micah Parsons. Here's my other question. How much of the set it? was like, COVID? Settle down just a little bit. How much of the set was COVID driven? Because out there, people were pretty jam-packed, it felt like. But in the exclusive space, the high-money sponsor space that got the high five and everything, there was a lot of space, and I'm thinking this premier event, you would get more high-dollar people in that zone, and it felt a little bit antiseptic to me. Also, but, why were uh, the only people wearing masks the charity recipients? The, Roger Goodell wasn't wearing a mask, but everyone they brought up on stage was wearing a mask that they were honoring. I just thought that was odd. I'm like, I, I can't even see the face of the young girl who doesn't have internet that they're bringing up to acknowledge before this Jets pick. Wasn't there too and much she was space wearing a mask. in those pits? I found, I found it to be weird. One those good, great pastime, though, that's fun every year, and I'm watching with a buddy, the age-old game of girlfriend or sister. Oh. When the prospect You texted that immediately. I mean, you, you don't know, right? Don't. Is, is that Which one's the girlfriend? Which Zach one's the Wilson sister? has some family. Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, both were the top recipients of girlfriend or sister family. game yeah. last night when they were picked. Trying Shouldn't to figure the out hugging which give which. it away? I feel like the hugging should give it away, but the hugging wasn't giving it away. Typically, it could have it's been a girlfriend sister, hug. It could have been a sister that hugs hug. more people. So with Mac Jones, I'm pretty sure because people were answering me on it, the blonde young woman was the sister. The brunette was his girlfriend, and I thought it was the sister because the blonde was hugging the agent and everyone else right when he got picked, and the girlfriend was kind of off to the side, you know, hugging him but no one else. Oh, well, I mean, that's Trevor a sister Lawrence move. left that's no a doubt. Move. That was a, a girlfriend. He yes. left. That's his uh, wife. wife. That's his wife. Oh, That's his they wife. just got married. He married uh, very well. And, and no doubt Trevor Lawrence got the got the decision right to stay home with his friends and family. That place, he had 60, play, 60 people in there. 
enjoying the night. Uh, meanwhile, Caleb Farley has to pretend like he's not over at a family member's house because he tested positive for COVID and then tested negative. So he's sitting there in a room by himself. Meanwhile, it meant he was over at a family member's house and he drove home going back to his place to pack up to come here. So, like, the, the, this whole perception that no. you could, it was, okay. he got it right. A couple other things. So Lawrence the, got it right by not The Trevor Lawrence deal, though, in South Carolina, did his family move to South Carolina when he went to school there? He's from Cartersville, Georgia, which is on the way down to Atlanta. He's in a home outside of Clemson. I'm like, is this a coach's home, a friend's home? No, did I his mean, family move there? Confusing with don't, that. Don't care. Quiddy Pay is from Liberia. Grew up in Providence, played college football in Ann Arbor, and he appears to be in some industrial setting in Denver when they go to the pick. It was the weirdest setup. I kept looking at it thinking, where Maybe is he's he? Maybe training there? It was like a, but it looked like a commercial space someone rented. Oh, yeah, and there's that had like stairways behind it. They had a partition yeah. on one side of it. It was completely dark. There wasn't a light on in the room. Yeah, it was very dark. The walls were black, and it was in Denver. And I'm guessing that's where he trained or his agent lives. Very, very odd setup. Right after. And Justin Fields had a very Joe Burrow-like setup with the family couch and yeah. just a few people on it. It reminded me of Joe Burrow from a year ago. Best post-draft party last night, Najee Harris, who the very uh, cool. grew up in a, at one time was living in a homeless shelter, threw his post-draft party at the homeless shelter last night. Cool. Uh, I thought that was that it was, was awesome. a great idea and uh, well well deserved for Najee Harris, who goes to the team that everyone knows he's going to have success with. Quickly, this could be fantastic or terrible. Uh, production guys, what was your favorite moment in the draft? It's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for yeah, cutting they, to the chase. Like, I thought they're, they're, they'd make something up. Like, there's a draft. <laughs> Usually, they make something up. No, they. Uh, <laughs> Did they address? Did they, they want to be on top? camera. They want to be on camera so little today that they didn't even bother turning their light on. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob's signal. It's like the bat signal. Like when they want us to go to them, they turn on the ring light yeah. so they know that we can call on them. When the light's off, it means Paul. No interaction with Lance or Jacob. <laughs> They're not in the place to talk today. There was no drafting of top bass guitar yeah. players of all time. I thought there was that a, they would know about. I thought so. there was a sister band of Dad's Acid that performed early in the pregame. The sister band was Kings of Leon that performed. Kings of Leon had a. Uh, I didn't see it, but I Mount, saw a lot Mount of reviews. Mount Julius Finest, Kings yeah. of Leon. Um, I was way ahead of the curves on King, Kings of Leon. Some big headlines with the Tennessee Vols we're going to hit. We'll also tell you uh, towards the end of this hour the position and uh, the player that we like best available for the Titans, who we hope is available, at pick 53. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360.